Welcome to the podcast, Mike Heaton. How are you? I'm very good, thank you very much. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, enjoying the sunshine, and it's it's hot out there. It's great. In, it's great interview weather. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean it's quite hot because uh, I'm, I'm in my uh, my little home studio, and uh, which is very well insulated, and therefore. Either red hot or freezing cold, but uh, it's uh, yeah, it's it's quite warm, but um, it's nice. You were just saying off mic there. You've been doing the rounds and doing lots of promo for the new record. And uh, how's it been going? Have you sort of uh, been divvying up the duties this time around quite evenly? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we all we all get involved with the the interview side of things because we all enjoy doing it. You know, it's great talking about the band and, and particularly you know when we're we're really proud of what we've been doing and you know the latest single. Is is blown us away by the reaction, both from you know uh, fans and and radio as well. I think it's some some sort of record of the week on Radio Two this week. It's gone to Virgin, and you know it's um, yeah. Danny's done a few things with Chris Evans and such, and it's been um, yeah, it's great. Yeah, the because we had two songs that we just sort of put out there with some like what visualizers i think they call them um and then we are it which is the one that we all said right okay that's 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 the one if there's going to be a single off the album and sure enough it's gone to radio and it's getting great response so um and it's gonna it's gonna be great to play um in fact we did a little tutorial uh i won't tell you too much about it but uh, the, the other day uh because a lot of these tracks, you know, we did in the studio. So I'm preempting all the questions you can ask now. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> <laughs> and and so literally recorded it so quickly that we haven't even had a chance to play them together. So tomorrow uh, is is the first um, proper rehearsal for the new single that we'll be doing at Bingley Festival on Friday. The thing is with um, the, the single and um, is it's so quintessentially embrace, isn't it? It's it, you. You've got such a a unique kind of stamp on on, on the music you create. Yeah, I mean, we I, I interviewed, I was lucky enough to interview Danny last year for season three or something for this podcast. And we talked a lot about influences and we talked a lot about songwriting and just their and sort of and pro, approach to like, anth, what's the word? Anthemicness. It's not even a word, but you know what I mean? And uh, are you when you get together, is it sort of like, um, like how can we make this, you know, sing live? I, I think it's kind of in our DNA now um, that, that, that we, 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 when we get together, we'll have a bunch of songs and we all wrote loads of different ideas for this album. You know, through lockdown, we weren't getting together. So we all just beaved away in our own studios and then sent them ideas backwards and forwards. Um, and then when we got together um, to start playing them, I think we just have that in our blood, the, the, I don't know what it is, the embraceness or whatever. Um, so uh, we, we play in a certain way and we interact in a certain way uh, and we kind of know when things are going to, you know, need to be paired back. Like, um, you know, one of the songs on the album is just a p- like piano vocal or when we need to go big, big, you know, uh, like um, Death Is Not The End, which is the opening track on the album. Um, and then there's all the those areas in between and, and we are it uh just i mean it came together like that it was literally here's the song idea sat down as a band started playing it very unusual i think the first thing i played on drums we went that's it uh and and we we laid it down um in fact to the point where you know rick was because he produced it and, and mixed it he was saying we got it so quickly, I didn't even have a chance to really set the mics up properly so the 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 album version is literally the first few takes when we got together and played it and it had that vibe you know we've done that before when um 
on uh, on this new day that we wrote over in Spain with youth. You know, a lot of those takes were just writing takes in Spain. We came back to the UK to re-record all the demos in uh, in Olympic and three or four of the songs we just we couldn't we couldn't better the the the, the, the raw takes that had happened literally when we wrote the songs. And that's pretty old school these days. Uh, yeah, it is, it is. And, and for us, you know, um, and we're, you know, we're renowned for taking far, far too long to make albums, you know, some t- out of nothing, you know, took three or four years, you know, to put it all together, write the songs and get them all perfected and honed down. Hmm. I think maybe because, I don't know, we're, we're a, bit, a bit older and uh, better at what we do. I, I'm, and we just kind of, we think now that if it's right, it's right. Whereas in mm. the past, we do something, record it, and we go, that sounds great. Let's try another 10 versions of it in different mm. keys, in different tempos, in different drum beats, and then go all the way back a lot of the time to the start and go, oh, yeah, we had it, actually. Do you feel so much more creative control over what you're doing as you would have done potentially 15, 20 years ago? Uh, I mean, it's interesting, Chris, because we, we've always, in fact, one of the first you know major points in the first deal we ever had was that we had complete artistic control and we have mm. always had that and we've always had the final word on what goes down but obviously we've had a lot of record company um you know uh, interaction as well some of it good some of it bad you know some of it i wish we'd listened to and some of it i wish we hadn't you know it, it's both ways but now yeah now we we just basically say to each other are we gonna do a new album let's write some songs we'll record it we mix it we finish it, and then we go to our manager, Tony, who we've had since 1996 when we first started, and then we'll say to Tony, here's the album. Find something to release it. <laughs> you know. Um, so, so yeah, we, we don't have any... <laughs> and it's not always a good thing. Sometimes it is a good thing. You know, when we worked with youth, I mean, let's face it, um, youth produced two of our biggest-selling albums. Um, so y- you can't... You, you can't say that wasn't a great thing to happen, but in this day and age now, to be able to do it ourselves, I think we've we've learned the art of, uh, uh, well, particularly Rick on the production side. Yeah, the art of getting the best out of the band. From a sonic point of view, how would you say this this album differs from some of the other stuff you've produced? Because I mean, I think I guess with you guys, there's always been some some evolution of the of the sound. But what I talked about and touched on earlier on was just that you can you can sound and pick out embrace quite easily and quickly and it draws you in that way but is there anything different songwriting wise or where you're coming from based on the last couple of years we've had a pretty hideous time of things has that influenced this album do you think a long long way around getting to a question apologies for that that's <laughs> <laughs> no, all right sorry Chris I, I think it's influenced in that um, when we came around to get in the studio we were very impatient and wanted to get it done mm. you know because uh, we've been working on things in our own little studios. So when we got together, we were very much focused on let's just get in and get it done as soon as possible because we want to get another record out. Um, obviously, without you know any detriment to the quality, we, we we always make sure that you know we're absolutely happy with what goes on there. Um, but we probably didn't, yeah, we probably didn't um, question ourselves as much. Like I said earlier, I think mm. this time round, if it felt right, it was right, and we did it and we put it down. You know, sometimes you can work, in the past we've worked on songs for so long that, in honesty, by the time it comes out, you're a bit bored of it, you know, until you start to play it live and then it yeah. comes back to life again. But um, 
But no, I think I, I think it shows in this album that it was put down quickly because it's it's like we are it has got that energy uh, and just kind of feels um, feels quite youthful, which is great for us. You know, being you know being that I've been in the band thirty years this year, you know we've uh, <laughs> we've been together yeah. a while. Same lineup since '96, you know, and to get that energy and that 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 uh, excitement is, is is great, you know, and I think that shows on this album. And the album does cover a lot of different bases, you know, like I say, I touched on before, from the really stripped back piano vocal approach, uh, it's kind of more akin to drawn from memory, you know, right through to the the, um, the title track of the album, which is. Um, I see it as very much a sort of part two of the Goodwill Out off the first album. You know, it's got that that anthemic ending that hopefully everyone will sing along to. So yeah, it, it, it's nice because it covers it covers a it's more varied, I think, than the last album. You mentioned then about you know the lineup not changing, and that is rare. And what do you why do you think that is? I mean, I mean it's a good thing, but what is it you guys have that you think is missing from other bands? I mean. Is it? Is it? I mean, obviously, there's a connection, but is it? Does it go anywhere else? Is there something deeper there? Um, I, I think, yeah, I think there's, there's like the obvious connection and the, and the fact that we, you know, that we get on well. We didn't probably tour as heavily as some of the bands. You know, we spent a lot of time in the studio, and it's out on the road when it when it can really test your relationships. When you've been, you know, in the same bus for weeks on end, you know, that's when it can. Re- tear bands apart so we probably didn't do as much intensive touring so it's a mixture of things it's a mixture of the fact we get on well we didn't destroy ourselves uh, and we didn't sort of kill ourselves touring maybe that was a bad thing you know we, we may have gone on to bigger and better things if we had done more touring but um we were always drawn back to the studio you know yeah, yeah. back into that i suppose the other dynamic is the brothers in the band you know probably checking each other out and not oh, keeping each other in check, so to speak. And I suppose nowadays with you guys knowing each other, you know, when someone's getting a bit lofty, uh, <laughs> pulling uh, back down to earth, if that ever happens. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying that there haven't been, you know, arguments and, and disputes and, you know, times when we've wanted to punch each other's lights out. You know, it, it, it just like it would be for any family that spends that amount of time together in close proximity, either in the studio or, or on a bus. Um, so yeah, we've, we've been down that, you know, and we've, we've had times where we thought maybe the band wouldn't continue. Um, but we, we've always kind of, I don't know how we've always just kind of pushed through. Uh, I mean, we were talking about it recently and, and if you look at, well, you could probably count it on on the fingers of one hand the amount of bands that have had the same lineups for twenty five years. Mm. Um, there aren't many out there. Um, you know, who knows? Embrace at sixty. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope so. Uh, I, well, I somehow doubt it because I'll be about God knows. <laughs> yeah, I'll be eighty. <laughs> You've got a, such a, a loyal fan base as well, and um, one thing I've noticed sort of the last sort of I don't know five to ten years is how much you've you've kind of embraced that part of the pun, but on social social media and online, the sort of secret lists and things that you do, the extra mile that you go to for the fans in terms of bringing them in. Um, And how, I want to know, how did that happen? Is that something you, you kind of, was that a germ of an idea that happened uh, sort of originally that just, you know, expanded or was it something you kind of had in the back of your minds for a lot of while? 
Um, I think it was down to the fans, really. Uh, it, well, I mean, obviously, it was, you know, we had ideas to do all the secret gigs, but it, it was, you know, a lot of it was down to the to the fans being so fantastic. You know, I, I can't stress enough, you know, how important they have been to our, our career and to keep us going, you know, through through hard times, through thick and thin. And we've tried to repay that by doing something a bit different, you know, like we did the, the whole string of secret gigs in weird and wonderful locations, mm. obviously three secret festivals, which were uh, an absolute nightmare to organise. And, yeah, from a money point of view, not really worth doing, but everyone came away with a smile on the face and, and an experience that we never forget. So, yeah, the ideas have come from us, but the um, the reason they've happened is because of the fans and you know we're going through a difficult time at the moment you know there's no across the board people are struggling to be able to afford to go to gigs you know without a shadow of a doubt you know we've seen that you know um you know i'm not going to hide it it's, it's difficult ticket sales aren't as great as as, as they they have been before because we're in it we're in a you know we're in a time where it's bloody impossible to afford to live you know um you know the fuel crisis is just ridiculous you know and something needs to be done because it's just it, again it's killing the person in the middle as it always does you know um without getting political it, it's a bloody mess and and something should be done about it because a lot of people are going to struggle particularly coming to the winter um so we, we so there then again that comes back to what i was saying about the fans the fans that, that come to see us we're just so grateful that they can you know put the hand in their pocket and spare that that money to, to come down and we I mean we can't wait to get on the on the tour. You know, we've got we've it's just well it's been three I d I don't know when we last went on tour, three years I guess. Mm. Uh, so we can't wait to get out and play the new songs as well. The album comes out end of August yeah. and then the tour is scheduled for about around about the same time or was that later in the year? No, no, same time. Uh, yeah, the album comes out end of August and, and we go out. Um we've we've got um Victoria's Festival, and then two days later, uh, we go on tour. Yeah, so it, it's all sort of ha- happening at the same time. How how difficult will it be to do the set list? Because obviously you want to showcase the new material, but you've got <laughs> so many set enders, set be- you know, uh, set beginners, middles, and ends. How do you do it? <laughs> do you change it up every night? It, well, it, we don't change up every night, but we try. We try to move things around, but it, it is difficult because. You know, you you want to, you want to. It's awkward, isn't it? Because we all know, you know, if we're honest, we go to see our favourite band who's got a new album out, and most of the time we want to hear the hits, we want to hear the bangers, you know, uh, and 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 you know, the, you'll play a few new songs, but a lot of people don't know them, so you know, it, it, it's difficult. So it's that balance of you know maybe doing a few songs with a new album, and then going with the. But like you say, we've got uh, whatever seven albums worth of material on B sides and everything else. So it is it is tricky. We, we, I think we've put together a set that will please, hopefully, most people. You'll always get people who want a rare B side here and yeah, there, yeah. Uh, and, and and you know, so, and something that we haven't played for God knows how many years. So yeah, it, it is difficult, but I think we've picked something that's that's going to be that'll please most people, yeah. hopefully. You've always got that guy shouting retread. Well, there's always someone shouting retread, isn't there? <laughs> and the thing is, we, we love all that, those songs. And we did years and years ago. We did a we did a gig at Leeds Town Hall actually, and um, and we only played B sides. Um, oh wow! 
uh, which was interesting. <laughs> I'm not, not sure how, how, how much everyone was interested in his playing a whole set of B-sides, but, uh, you know, probably wouldn't do it again. But uh, it, it was interesting to do. But a good position to be in to be able to do that and, you know, and just to sort of explore that side of your, um, you know, your catalogue live. It is. Obviously, nowadays, it doesn't exist, you know, because <laughs> there's no A and B side and... It's it's a funny old world out there at the moment, you know. You know, as I said before the interview, now my kids are sixteen and nineteen. Neither even listen to radio. Neither have got a clue what the charts are. Mm. You know, uh, it's a very very different world out there. What um, were your or who rather were your musical influences then, Mike? Growing up, and were there any super drummers that you uh, you idolised? Uh, yeah, loads, loads. I mean, I, I'm a bit, I'm a bit of a, you know, yeah. John Bonham's my hero, which is a very <laughs> obvious one, but he's just, just brilliant. John Bonham, Neil Peart, Ian Pace, Bill Ward from Sabbath, Paul Cook from the Pistols, who was probably one of the reasons I took up drumming. Top Eden from the from the Clash, you know, um, a, a, a lot of the punk and rock people. Alex Van Halen. I was really into my hair metal in the eighties. You know, um, Tommy Aldridge, um, all all these drummers that they're, they're, they're absolutely incredible, and a lot of them still going. Uh, but and musically, yeah, the bands that those drummers played for, Filthy Animal Taylor, you know, from uh, from Motorhead, yeah. you know, you try to play a lot of his parts, <laughs> they ain't easy, you know. Um, so I, I kind of grew up with um, punk first. I had a bit of a weird musical upbringing. So my brother was four years older, and he was really into prog which I hated when I first got into punk, obviously. Mm-hmm. But now I absolutely love bands like Yes and Pink Floyd. You know, I went to see Roger Waters about four years ago do the uh, Us and Them tour, probably the best thing I've ever seen. Incredible. Um, Neil Young, amazing songwriter. Yeah. You know, so I went through that and then for all the yeah, the, the, the hair metal stuff. Um, in fact, I've just been down to see uh, Iron Maiden in Barcelona. Oh, cool. <laughs> so, you know, it's... Um, but my so my influences are far and wide you know um and the only thing i I, you know i can't really stand is um i hope they might don't mind me saying uh ub40 uh (laughs) just got a thing i don't know what it is it's got a thing Uh, (laughs) um but but yeah i I appreciate loads of bands you know the other day on the radio elo came out and came on incredible out Mm. of the blue what a masterpiece so yeah, I like I like everything really, um, but I do sort of lean towards the the, the heavier stuff. I, I would have said. You see, that was my background growing up as well in 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 all the sort of thrash metal, hair metal, and and uh, having an older brother definitely is an influence, isn't it? And when you when you sort of get onto that side, because I don't think there's any any other way I would have been sort of exposed to that to to sort of skin tight jeans and high top trainers. Otherwise, because there were none of my friends were doing it. Oh yeah, I had I had the whole um, striped trousers and the bullet belt. In fact, the bullet belt is sitting in the next room. There, I, I, I've still got that. Um, so it was yeah, yeah, great, great times. But I went through. I also went through a bit of a scar stage, madness specials, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of yeah, jump jump ship. I think I went through all the different stages. I went punk, scar, metal, um, prog. And then I basically came to the realisation that you could actually like all of them together. Yeah, yeah. In terms of picking up the sticks then, I mean, what was, when did that happen? Was it sort of early as a child or did it, was it something you picked up a bit later on in life? 
It was um, yeah, eleven. Um, and this uh, the story I've told a lot with the, with these sort of embrace fans is going back to the Pistols. I was a massive uh, fan of the Pistols, and um, my dad, who was um, God bless him, was was a very quite straight laced guy. Um, just couldn't stand what they stood for. Just hated it. Um, and for my eleventh birthday, I and I was loved Steve Jones and his white Les Paul. So I basically asked for a white Les Paul. I knew I wouldn't get Les Paul because they would cost a fortune. Yeah. But my dad kind of must must have thought, hmm. And, and he used to be in like a, a do a bit of core drumming when he was at school. Um, so he, he probably, he, he, I think he thought, hmm, what's the lesser of two evils? Guitarists, they're horrible. I, I, I got, and I woke up to my 11th birthday with a snare drum sitting yeah. in front of me. So uh, my, my dreams of being a guitarist evaporated in, in one fell swoop. My friend, Vince Clark, not the Vince Clark, a different one. Um, he, he, he got a guitar um, and, we thought, and, we, and we sat in his kitchen making a load of noise and that was our, our first band and we were called um, It. Good night. <laughs> I was talking to somebody else on, my, um, on a different podcast with a different guest and we were talking about first bands and I remembered the band that I was in called Bad Obsession, uh, named after the Guns N' Roses track. And our first track that we wrote together was called Night Stalker. That just got a, bit, a little bit of a taste of the of the um, of the metal years, the hair metal years. Yeah, we, I was I was before that, <laughs> but um, yeah, the uh, yeah, uh, it, it morphed from it to Satan. <laughs> you can't get more on the nose, can you? <laughs> no, no, you know, nail, nail your colours to the flight. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, we were we were crap. I mean, we were, we were terrible. But um, well, we didn't have. We, I don't think we ever wrote a song. <laughs> You also uh, do a bit of drum tutoring and things like that as well, don't you? Is that is that right? Yeah, that, this this is my. I've got two kits. There's one here and one over there, uh, and this is all I record here as well. I record bands, so it's all set up for Pro Tools. Um, but yeah, I teach in here. I do a bit of um, just a bit of private tutoring, only only kind of a few lessons a week, just just because I I don't know. I, I like. I, I never took a grade in my life, so I don't teach grades. I, I just teach people how to play in a band, really, because uh, mm. I, I play bass and guitar, so I've got um, like a Royal Blood type setup here with the bass and pitch shifters and stuff, so I can teach people a groove, and then I can say, right, okay, now you need to learn how to play to this, and mm. um, stop on the bass and, and and play and get them to lock in with the bass, because it's the foundation of a band. So, yeah, I, I, I teach in here, and I, I record in here, so this is my, my, little, uh, my little man cave. <laughs> well mike i'll let you go but it's been fascinating talking to you thank you so much for spending some time uh, to talk about the upcoming album good luck with everything and the tour well finally one question is i mean do you, is there a plan after this eighth studio album is are you still are you thinking about the next project or or is that is that something you guys don't tackle yet no we were already talking about um, we were talking about doing an ep um early next year uh, whether that might now um just push on to the next album but you know, for sure, we we haven't got any intentions of, of stopping. We're all really still into it. Um, you know, the tour. You know, I, I can't wait to get out and play. You know, that's going to be it's going to be great. And hopefully, you know, um, I don't know when this is going to go out, but um, you know, if anyone wants to come and see us, it's all on the website embrace.co.uk. Come down to a show, um, say hello, jump around, have a good time. But um, 
the bottom line is while, while there are still people who want to listen to us and want to come and see us, I don't see any reason why we, why we should stop. You know, we all do other things as well now, um, which is great because it keeps it fresh when we get together. You know, I've got another little band called Land Sharks, which is um, a lot heavier. We record it all here. You know, Rick's got uh, Eva, which is him and, uh, and Nicole. Mickey's got um, Experiment 637, which is him and uh, another guy, you know, uh, and Steve plays with me in Land Sharks. So we've all got other things as well. Um, if, it, it, we just we just love music. Mm. <laughs> love music, love writing music, love recording it, love playing it. Um, so while ever people are interested, we'll be here probably. Well, thanks ever so much again, Mike. It's been an absolute pleasure. And good luck with everything. Uh, and thanks for your time. Bye, take care. Bye.